Guys, it is a beautiful thing to see a family who walks in the ways of God. It's a beautiful thing to see children who are raised in the precepts of Christianity. It is a beautiful thing to see the hope that is glimmering in the eyes of a child and to see the potential that exists within their soul. We had two families dedicating themselves to walk in that way. But as a church, it is demanded of us to walk with one another. Do not lose sight of our obligation and our responsibility. May we always pray, and may we always be there for one another as we not only share the word of God with one another, but we share life with one another. And may we truly pilgrimage together. This morning, I'd like to look at a passage in the book of Haggai and the book of Psalm. And both of them speak to a similar issue. One which I think is actually very pertinent for today. For it is so much the case that in life, we toil and we work. Every day of our life sometimes is toil and work. We don't get a whole lot of relaxation from the toil and work that we do. Many of us probably work jobs that we end up bringing home with us. If we do not bring it home with us, we are at least thinking about it when we're at home. And it's a constant toil and struggle and work. I know just this past week, uh, we had a little bit of vacation. My school, being a Christian school, we had winter break. Uh, public school had Mardi Gras. Uh, I think they're all the same thing, um, but semantics can be important, I guess. But we had a little bit of a break. But I'll be honest with you, I looked at TJ on Friday and went, man, that seemed like a long week. Now, I know I was in school three days, but man, it seemed long, and I don't know why that was. Now, for her... She was supposed to work yesterday, but we had two funerals go, so she missed a day. And she was supposed, she worked on Wednesday when she was supposed to have it off. So I think that kind of just mentally uh, depressed her <laughs> in some ways uh, and seemed to make the week even longer than what it was. But even when we have breaks, it seems like work can kind of just pile up on us and toil can pile up on us. And honestly... Most of us, probably when we even take time off, think about all the things that we need to get done. And, and, and we take that moment off. I told PJ, it, we struggle as a family to take vacations because both of us, while we're on vacations, thinking about when we get back home, it's going to be worse because all this stuff that we should have been doing these days is piling up. And, and, and it's a real struggle in life, and, and it's work, and it's toil. And it's good to have that kind of work ethic. It's good to be willing to toil and to, to, to do things. But, guys, we've got to make sure that we are putting our energy where our energy is supposed to be put. You can work all day and all night, but if you're not working for the right purposes or doing the right things, then it is meaningless. The book of Ecclesiastes is a wonderful book, somewhat depressing book, but it's a wonderful book. And it basically starts out with vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And one of the things that the preacher is thinking about in the book of Ecclesiastes is toil and work themselves are vain. Guys, you can work your hands to the bone. You can work every day of your life and every hour of your life. And if it's not for the right purpose, it is meaningless. 
In the book of Haggai, it's a very interesting kind of time period. Israel or, or uh, Judah had been destroyed, and, and Haggai is in this time period where they've come back to rebuild. We see it in the Persian empires. They allow the Jewish people to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and the temple. And, and it's in this aspect of rebuilding that we kind of uh, learn of what Haggai preaches about because when they get back, what the people become more interested in as everything is being established is building their own property up rather than building the house of God. Their perspective shift. It's not that they're not working. It's not that they're not toiling. It's not that they're not doing the things. It's just that they've lost perspective on what is the most important. They've lost their priority. Here in Haggai chapter 1, let us begin reading in verse 1. <coughs> it says, In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Well, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected uh, much, but see... It turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain and new wine, the oil and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle and on the labor of your hands. I want you to understand what he's saying. He's not saying these people are lazy at all. They are invested and they are laboring. They are planting major crops. They are doing the work that they're supposed to be doing. They're building up their houses. They're building up their city. They're laying the foundation. They're doing all the things that you would expect the people to be doing that is rebuilding the city of God, except they have lost the perspective that God comes first. You see, where their heart shifted to is rather than building something for God or even working for God, they begin to work for themselves. And what, does, and what does God describe the situation as? He says, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. It's time for you yourselves to be living in your panel houses while this house remains in ruin. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much but have harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but you're not warm. You earn wages not to put them in a purse, to put them in a purse with holes in it. Does that sound like life in some ways? We work and we work and we work and we expect that work to bring about something. And then when we look, it's like nothing. You ever received a raise? And thought, man, it'd be so much easier now. I can get more money. I could make it on what I was making. Now I got more money coming in the house. And then, like a month later, you're wondering, did I really get that raise? 
you look back at the check and you're like, yeah, my check came up, but where is it at? Things just feel like it goes out. And what God says is, look, you're putting money in, in purses with holes in it. Many of us probably can relate to that. We stick money in our wallet and then we open up our wallet and we wonder where it went. Me and TJ had a celebration moment the other day because she got a pair of jeans out of the dryer that had a $5 bill in it. Like, that's where my money's going. It's in the dryer. We've got to start checking our clothes better. Uh, <laughs> I put my money where I know where it's at. She just sticks it in pockets, I guess. But what, what God is saying is you're doing the work. You're getting the stuff. You're not able to build what I need built. You're not focused on the things that you need to be focused on. And so whatever you're working towards is vain. You can plant the biggest crops that you want to plant, but you're getting a small harvest. It's not that they lack effort. It's not that they lack work. It's not that they do not toil. It's not that they're lazy people. It's that they're misguided in what they are doing. And their priorities are all messed up. That is a challenge in our world. Because honestly, what takes part many times in life is work becomes our first priority. Because we feel like that's got to get done. We feel like those things are mandated. And the other things are a choice. Many times the first thing that kind of shrinks back on our priority list is the things of God. We know that they're important. We know that they, they should be important in our life. But we also know that God gives grace and he doesn't fire us. So it's a lot easier to shift those things onto the back plate while we strive to do the things that we think are mandatory. Guys, we can slip into that very, very quickly. And what God is saying is His people, what they have done is they slipped into a way of life where what they feel is necessary takes place of what God has called them to do. And it's not that those things aren't important. It's not that those things aren't maybe even necessary in some way. Now, listen to God's complaint. He says, is it really necessary that you live in your, live in your paneled houses while my house remains rented? So in other words, they have a place to live. They're worried about getting the place they live just like they want it. Where we live, there's all kind of things that I want to do to my house. Our house was built in the 70s. And evidently in the 70s, people liked really small bathrooms. I mean, you got room for a toilet and a tub. And you ain't got room to hang a towel. I mean, they small. Now, in modern day, evidently people started hanging out in the bathrooms a whole lot more. Because now you got tubs I could fit in. Which let me just tell you, tubs that were made in the 70s, not made for this body. Um, just not. Now you got garden tubs, and they're jetted, and, and, and you got all kind of, like, I mean, people put TVs in there. I'm like, wow. Um, I got like a, I, I mean, mine's probably the size of a bathroom or a submarine. I'd love to knock out a little bit more space. 
have a little bit more of a bathroom. I actually have a tub. It was a nice size. I'd like to have a sunroom. I'd, I, there's always things that I would like to do. I'd like to have one of them fancy litter boxes that cleans itself. Because uh, I'm pretty tired of cleaning it. Um, and, and I got to. After a while, you just got to. Um, I'd like to have all kinds of things. And no matter where we are in life, we can always think about things that we would like to have or things that we would like to do. And sometimes what happens is those things that are just wants for us and things that we would like tend to start taking over our priority list. And we've got to get them done, and we want to get them done, and we've got to have them done. And what it does is it shifts our attention off the things that we need to be doing. Guys, the highest priority in our life is to serve God. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean it has to manifest itself within the four walls of a church every single day. But it actually has to manifest itself. And part of the manifestation of the service of God is being invested in a church. And I'm going to tell you why that is. It's not for you. Some of it is. It's a great part. My heart is uplifted. My spirit is uplifted. If I miss a Sunday... I've already told you, I don't like taking vacations. When I do take vacations, I miss this place. I really do. I can honestly say that. But church is not just for me. Part of my call as a Christian, not just as a minister, but as a Christian, is that I minister within the confines of the church because God has gifted me in certain ways, and I'm supposed to be sharing those gifts with people. So you as an individual are to be a part of a church so that you can share your life with others. You might say, well, i got so much sharing going on right now, I don't know if I can share anymore. I can promise you one of the best ways to find fulfillment in life is to share your life with others. It will it offer you struggles? Absolutely. Absolutely. There will be times that you shed tears, not for yourself but for others, but you will never be fulfilled to the point that you could be fulfilled unless you are invested in other people's lives. It's our call. It's who we are. It's not just for me. There's a lot that I get out of it. There's a lot of fulfillment that I get out of it. There's a lot of reasons I want to be here when the doors are open and sometimes when I just have to open them myself. There's a lot of reasons that we do the things that we do. I told you, my wife on her fifth week of Sunday school, children's church, tonight she'll be teaching children. She loves ministry. It's a part of who she was. It was a part of who she was before she met me. I didn't inspire that in her. God inspired that in her. That's who we're called to be as Christians, not as ministers, but as Christians. We give and we give. And we give. That's our highest priority is to serve God. Whether we are within the confines of these walls, whether it's within another church, whether it's within a school, or whether it's in a job place, or whether it's just out in the world. We serve God. That's our highest priority. Do not lose that focus. Do not lose that priority. And I will pause to say this to those who dedicated children. Guys, it is really hard To keep that focus always, even when you're raising a child. Because you will work, 
and you will work and you will read. I've been on the self-help hour at Barnes and Nobles before to read books about children. I skimmed how to read. Uh, it was a hard-headed child. That ain't the title of the book. That's what it should have been called. Um, strong wheels, what they call it. Hard-headed, what I call it. Uh, and I call it that because he got it from me. Uh, that's what my daddy called it. Um, so I read that book. I read some other books. I remember when he was born, way early. They gave me a book that thick to read about all the things that could go wrong. I made it about page five and had to throw it over in the corner because I was already getting anxiety. <laughs> so I looked at PJ and went, I ain't reading it. And I don't forget if you read it. We'll just figure it out as we go. But there's a lot of work. And we work and we go to ball games and we go to practices and we watch them play and we try to invest in them and we do all these things. But guys, you can work all day long, every day of your life, to the wee hours of the morning. But if you are not working for God as a parent or any other thing, then the work that you are doing is in vain. Every investment we make in the life of a child must be guided by the hand of our God if it is going to be worthwhile. Why? Just for an eternal purpose that we try and we work quickly we'll look at the psalm that the psalmist writes a very short psalm psalm 127 echoes what i just said or maybe i should just say i echoed 127 um but psalm 127 says this unless the lord builds the house its builders labor in vain unless the lord watches over the city the watchman stands guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are reward from him. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them and will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. We have to remember with what is the ancient context here, the more sons you had, the more workers you had, the more warriors you had, the protection for the household here. All of those things play a part. But I want you to listen and really focus on the first part of that. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Guys, whatever you put your mind to build, you can build a magnificent structure. But if God's not in it, It doesn't matter what this structure looks like that is good to your bad respect. If what we do here is not for God, then it is all for naught. You can build the most beautiful house, but the builders labor in vain if it is not for God. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. You can do whatever you want to do for protection. We live in a world that is a dark place. This past week, another shooting at a school. Something that would not have even entered my mind in the day that I was there. We live in a dark place. 
You can do all the things that you can do for protection. One of the things I love about our school across the way is, man, they have designed things to protect the kids there. Every door you go through locks right behind you. You've got to have a card to access them. There's not a parent who can access the back of our building unless an administrator lets them into it. It's awesome. I think it's great. I think they've absolutely done a wonderful job in trying to protect the children there. But you know something? There's no way human hands or human mind can protect everybody. He says, you stand watch all night long in the city, but if God's not watching, then you're watching in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. Guys, I don't know what y'all's schedules look like, but I understand what it is to stay up late and get up early. My wife does it every day. <laughs> Disturbs me when she gets up in the morning. I go to bed late, she gets up early. So as a tag team, we kind of get this mixed. You can work late hours. You can work early hours. You can work late and early hours. If the things that you are working for is not for God, then it's in vain. And it doesn't matter what we amass. This is a point that St. Augustine makes. That without the concept of eternality, then you lose everything. Because sooner or later, one day, we shall die. And all that we've amassed and all that we've worked for and everything that we've just really had strife over in life does not go with us. As parents, you can read every self-help manual, and I suggest that you do. I've got no problem with suggestions that psychologists make and psychiatrists make. I take those and, and I look at them. But I will tell you this, in raising a child, you must raise them to follow after God. And anything else that we do will be in vain without that. Guys, what the scriptures are teaching us is that when we live life, everything that we do in life, everything, every aspect of our life must be done for God. Paul puts it in another way. Paul says in his epistles that every single thing you do, you should do for the glory of God. Everything that you do, you should do for the glory of God. As you reflect this morning back on your life, you just sit there and contemplate about what your life looks like. And you're really the only one that truly knows. Can we say that even a majority of our life is dedicated to the purpose of bringing glory to God? Or have our priorities got out of whack? Guys, I will tell y'all, for those of you who are parents, and this is a word to my parents as well, it is absolutely essential that you do not lose that purpose. For those of you who are members of a church and want to walk serving God and changing the world, guys, we will never change this world. 
will never have the major impact upon the world that we dream of having as a church if we do not trust God for his leadership in this house. Our number one priority must be serving God. Our number one desire in life must be bringing him glory and honor. May we do that in all things. May we do that through our life as individuals. May we do that through the life of this church. May we bring him honor. May we serve him willingly. May we always pull for his purposes and his glory. And may we be brought to fruition through his sons, through his mercy, through his grace, through his word. Let us pray. God, we come before you this morning. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, that you walk with us. We thank you, God, that you have everlasting arms that we can lean upon. Lord, we thank you for your guidance and your wisdom. We thank you for your strength and your encouragement. And, Lord, we know that so many times in life we have spent time working and toiling and working even more and what we've ended up with a bunch of things that are in vain. Lord, I pray that our life would not be lived in vanity, but our life would be lived in the glory of God. And I pray, Lord, that as we've had parents this morning dedicate their children to you, that our church will walk with them and pray with them and cry with them and rejoice with them, that our church will walk with them as a family does. God, each and every person in this room, I pray that you would convict our hearts where we've allowed our priorities to get out of order. Lord, that we would strive to honor you in all things, in everything that we do. We would do it for your glory and for your pleasure. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Tomorrow we'll have a time of invitation. Any decisions need to be made in a public fashion, feel free to come forward. If you'll please stand.